Welcome to Bible Fellowship Assembly Sunday Morning Messages. Today, Bruce Royal shares his personal testimony together with that of his wife, Sharon. And now, here's Bruce. Hopefully I last 30 minutes. Let's open a word of prayer. Father, we do thank you for... For our stories, we thank you, Lord, that you do touch hearts and you do touch lives. And it is amazing what you do in the lives of ordinary people, Lord. So we just commit this message to you. We commit those who are not well to you. We just pray you'd undertake for them where they might be. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Well, this is a combination of my testimony and Sharon's testimony. So I'll go so far and then I'll jump over and become Sharon. And then, uh, so, our personal testimony is a precious and perhaps one of the truly valuable things that God has given us that we can take out of this world. A spiritual testimony is the account of how we came to know Jesus Christ as Savior and what has happened in our lives subsequent to that. This is the combination, as I said, of mine and Sharon's testimony. The Lord said, I come to seek and to save that which is lost. And John 10.10 says, I come that you might have life and you might have it abundantly. And so I'd like to share today with you what the Lord has done to fulfill his promises in this scripture, bringing abundant life to Sharon Myself, my family. Bruce speaking. I was born in Kirkland Lake. Two sisters and an older brother. We attended the Presbyterian Church as a family when I was very young. I remember getting a pin for perfect attendance. And I still have it in a case where I keep my watches and stuff as a remembrance. However, this all ended when my brother and I discovered downhill skiing. And unfortunately, downhill skiing took over for church. And it was not long before our Sundays were filled with skiing and our weekends were filled with time at the cottage. So, in spite of my loss, my loss of interest in the church, the Lord has not lost interest in me. My grandmother, my mother's mom, who lived in New Lister, was a very godly woman. This elderly woman lived alone and organized and conducted Christian kids' camps in her own backyard during summer months. She was truly wonderful, amazing, and she would often have as many as 50 or 60 kids in her backyard during the summer months, playing games, doing crafts, telling Bible storage, preaching the gospel in a way that kids could relate. And the seed... God's seed was certainly watered and planted during that time in those days with my grandma. I normally spent a month or so in Uliskert, and over the course of the summers, I do not remember a lot, but I remember being happy to arrive there and being sad to leave. So for a kid, that's a pretty good sign. I know that she prayed for all of her grandchildren especially for her grandchildren. She died when I was 11 years old. 
It's a comfort to know that I will see her again in heaven. And she prayed for me. And I'll allude to the fact that when I was a teenage kid, I was a bit of a problem. And you know what she said? She said to my mom, she says, don't worry about Bruce. He'll be okay. I don't know where that came from, but that was my grandmother. The next time I remember being exposed to the gospel, it was at Northland Bible Camp. I was 12 years old, and my friends invited me to go to camp. At that time, camp was two weeks long. And after a week, I begged my parents to take me home. Take me home. And they said, no, this experience is going to be good for you. And it was. Although, at the time, I didn't realize it. I do have a lot of appreciation for camp counselors. One of the comments the camp counselor made on those little review cards that they leave was that Bruce was a bit of a discipline problem. Hmm. It's a nice way of saying, Bruce, you were a brat at camp, right? Bit of a discipline problem. I would like to meet up with a camp counselor one day and apologize for my behavior. One of these days, maybe we'll meet up. I had the opportunity to counsel this year. And Finn was in my cabin for a period of time. And I know what it would be like to have a Bruce in my cabin. And I was glad, I was glad he wasn't there. It's rather amazing to look back at our lives and you see the contact the Lord has had. I left the camp when I was 12 years old after that second week, and I did not return Northland Bible Camp for 15 years. But God's seed has once again been watered. Although my parents didn't attend church, they were not a Christian influence on me whatsoever. I was raised in Kirkland Lake and did a lot of the things that youth in Kirkland Lake that was given latitude to sort of do what you like, did. I lived a very worldly life. This meant doing a lot of things that uh, I shouldn't be doing. Wasn't good for me, but I did it because I guess I thought it was cool or whatever. But even as a teen, and I was 15, 16, I don't know, somewhere around there, I can remember not being satisfied. I was thinking, sensing there must be more to this life that I was experiencing, even as a young guy. I can now contrast the wasted, worldly lifestyle to the Christian life. The life that includes friends, Christian colleges, activities, things that my sons were afforded and have enjoyed over the years. And I thank God for Christian youth groups and their friends and, and the, the opportunity that that provides for young people. Having seen both sides, there is simply no comparison. John 6.44 says, No one can come to the Father unless the Father first draws him. When we were, and this is fast forwarding a little bit, um, I was, we were married, Sharon and I were married in London in 1980, and I started mining school in 1980. So, 
We moved to Halebury at that point. Fast forward several years, being newly married, we were living in Halebury, attending, I was attending mine school, and Sharon's classmate, her name is Laura Clark, and, she, and that was a Clark's from Iroquois Falls, that unbeknownst to us, um, invited her to a coffee hour. At, uh, they used to have coffee hours in those days, the women would go to, at New Liskard Bible Chapel. And I can remember Sharon coming home and telling me about people she'd met and the speakers that she'd heard and people who had been saved and, and they were born again. And I thought, what is that? Born again. This was all a completely foreign language to me. At that time, she started going to church with my first son, Joey. He was just a little baby at that point on a regular basis. And she's enjoying the messages in the home Bible studies. Lots of opportunity. You know, Sherry, she loves, loves, loves to ask questions. So this was an opportunity to ask questions. Through Billy Graham publication, Sharon received the Lord Jesus Christ as her Savior. And I can clearly remember the day she came home and explained the gospel to a person who had been born again for maybe 20 minutes. She explained the gospel. But the seed, God's seed, is once again watered. Although I did not understand, I was happy for her. Sharon would often ask me, to go to church with her and Joey, and I declined. I did not want to seem too interested, and I always had lots of schoolwork to do, which seemed like a, a convenient excuse. I can clearly remember one day in our apartment in Halebury, I was sitting alone in the apartment while Sharon and Joey were at church, and I was thinking, what if something happened to Sharon and Joey and they went to heaven, and I didn't. I seriously did not like that thought. This is perhaps the first memory that I have of the Spirit of God convicting me. So, the next Sunday, I agreed to go to church. Just to see. No commitments, just to see. To my surprise, I really enjoyed the service, particularly the music surprised about that. Everything I was hearing from the speakers was new to me. Brand new. I knew that I was not perfect. But I felt that I really was not that bad comparably to some people I knew who were worse than I was. At least I thought they were worse than I was. But the message I heard didn't agree with my theory. I heard verses like this. Isaiah 64, verse 6 says, All of us has become like one who is unclean. All of our righteous acts are like filthy rags. Hmm. Romans 3.23 For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. John 16, verse 8 the Holy Spirit, when he comes, he will convict the world of guilt, sin, righteousness, and judgment. Each Sunday, I felt more and more convicted of my sin 
and somewhat feeling guilty. I was sitting like you guys are, and I thought everybody was staring at me because I was the new guy and I was the sinner. And they thought, I thought, oh, I feel uncomfortable sitting here, all these people staring at me like that. But they weren't staring at me. It was myself staring at myself, thinking, well, each Sunday I felt more convicted of sin. Although I waited patiently for the speaker who would tell me that I was not too bad. And that good things I had done would somehow offset bad things, like the scale approach. You do so many good things, it offsets the bad things, and you get kind of like a, a balance, which is okay. And that many other people were far worse than I was. That I had nothing to worry about. God would understand. After a year waiting for that message, it didn't come. In fact, there was nothing even close to that message that came. And that's what my pride wanted to hear. Pride is a barrier to God. We must repent. We must repent and come to God. Repentance means agreeing with God or turning 180 degrees from this lifestyle to turn to God. However, I do recall the gospel message that was repeated each week for me, and for some reason there were some verses that got cemented. And they seemed to be repeated consistently. And the, my key verse is John 3.3. 3. I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. That hit me and stayed with me. Ephesians 2.12 talking about your position, who you are. It says, remember that at a time you were separate from Christ, excluded from the citizenship of Israel and foreigners to the covenant of promise, without hope and without God in the world. What a lonely place that is. I sat and listened to the same message for over a year before the Holy Spirit finally convicted Bruce. Of sin in my life and the need to receive Christ as my Savior. I knew I was a sinner. I felt guilty every week. After a while, I felt comfortable sitting there as a sinner. But there was a time where the Spirit of God convicted me and they said, Being a sinner is the start of the gospel message. It's the start of acknowledging who you are. I was willing to admit that there is nothing righteous about myself. I was willing to admit I was a very prideful person, but that was gone. I believed that the Lord had died for my sins. I believed that he cleansed me with his blood from all unrighteousness, and I wanted to receive him as Savior, but I was not sure what to do. At that time, I decided to go around the corner to my friend Joel Reese, who happened to live around the corner from me in Halebury. And he was a preacher friend. 
And he led me to the Lord in his basement that particular day. That day, 1981, I was 24 years old, but I was brand new. Brand new. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. All things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Sharon speaking now. Sharon says, prior to meeting Bruce, she was not going to church. She believed in God and that, that Jesus had died. But prior to meeting me, she felt that life needed purpose. Felt that she was heading down a wrong path that she didn't want to go on. And I remember wandering into a church and that praying that God would turn my life around. Fast forward about one and a half years where she met me. Got married. She quit her job in London, moved to northern Ontario, and we had our first son, Joey. I was going to mining school. We had a baby. Life was changing dramatically. It was after our son was born that Sharon decided to attend church again. And she was introduced to a ladies' group where ladies shared their testimonies of coming to a place where they believed Jesus had died for them. That they could have eternal life. Amazing thing. Eternal life. This was new to me, for her. She joined the Bible study, as I mentioned, and people were praying for me. And I came to a heart knowledge that Jesus Christ died for my sins and that I could have eternal life. So she reached out and received Christ. God led me to this place as I reached out ever so slowly despite my failings. Nobody comes to Christ as a perfect person. We're all broken. Some of us more broken than others. But God welcomes us with open arms. It was the beginning of many more times where I would experience God's involvement and care in my life and ultimately the life of my marriage and my family. Life was busy. At that point, we fast forward a couple more years, now we have three sons. When you have twins, your family grows quickly. And they were born in northern Ontario. And Sharon and I determined early in our marriage, we got totally involved in churches. We volunteered for everything. And we got totally immersed in our child's lives. And it was our goal to create an atmosphere in our home where Jesus would be welcome. Our desire was for our children to know and love Christ and to marry Christian wives. That was our goal as parents, our prayer, our direction in life. Sharon says, I feel beyond blessed that our sons and their wives love Christ as their Savior. Amen.
After years, we'll go a little, move it along a little quicker. After years of traveling and moving to different places, we, we, we left Timmins in 2002. We moved to Alaska. And from there, we moved to Yellowknife. From there, we moved to Western Australia. And then from there, we moved to Eastern Australia. We moved every three years. And we were living in Australia at that, that point. And I grew to appreciate other cultures, Sharon said, and other church denominations. And I felt that a mission trip was something we wanted to experience. There was a long story of how the idea of mission work came to Sharon and I. Both, both of us, suffice to say, that we were both felt strongly led in the direction of pursuing missions. I like to say that going on a mission trip, even for a few weeks in particular, to a developing country was never my plans, and it wasn't. In fact, Sharon said, I'll never do that. I hate the heat and the humidity and feeling sweaty and sticky all the time. And being in community where you live amongst poverty. And it's quite different than Timmins. It's quite different. Although we agreed it was time to leave Australia and pursue mission work. I'd like to emphasize that we prayed and we talked extensively about this mission trip. Had our church pray and encourage us. We were so excited. We sold a lot of our possessions. We were financially, spiritually, emotionally, and physically invested and ready to serve God in this way. And we'd chosen to leave Australia and go to Cambodia. We applied and we obtained a visa for two years and headed off to Cambodia. We were excited. We were ecstatic about the opportunities, the things that we felt God was going to use us for his glory and for his kingdom. Little did we know that there was a young couple already there praying that the situation would improve and the way that the ministry we just joined was being managed. Once we got there, and it isn't until you get to some place and you start living day to day in a, a place, you realize what it's about. If we couldn't accept the rigid conditions or sign off on agreement documents that we didn't agree with, so we all agreed that we had to leave. We'll never forget the feeling that even packing up our belongings after two months. Calling a moto taxi and heading out of the building and going to a hotel. Another couple who were, the young couple who were there were crying and Sharon said, I was beyond emotional. Beyond. There we were in Cambodia, committed for two years to a mission trip that we felt was a calling of God 
And after two months, we're in a hotel room with this two-year visa, not knowing what has happened. We were completely shaken. Because not only had we invested finances and traveled so far and planned so much, but most of all now we're questioning our faith. And we're thinking, did we even hear God correctly? Did we even hear God correctly? That evening, God gave us this verse that saved us from walking away. And when you're emotionally stripped, there's not much that sustains you. But God, in his infinite mercy, gave us a verse. And the verse he gave us was 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 22. And it simply says this. But Samuel replied, Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as obeying the voice of the Lord? Prior to that evening, we'd never really understood this verse. We concluded that we obeyed. God called us to a mission, and we obeyed God's calling. And that's all that God requires of us, is to obey. He gave us a clear picture of the importance of obedience. The results of mission work, of missions, of any endeavor that we do for God, rests with Him. It's His work. It's not our work. He used us, and we were obedient to the call. That was God speaking directly into our shaken state and into our doubtful faith. We had previously made connections with other Cambodians, other Cambodian ministries while we were there for that period. And in a different ministry, we were subsequently asked to consider joining them. And so the next day, we left the hotel room and pursued joining other people that we'd met. And the welcome door was open completely. And it's like fresh air had blown in. And even though the previous day we were, felt like we were done, the next day God revives us and we pick up and go to a place where we knew there was opportunity to serve. What a wonderful experience it was to go on a mission trip. We made wonderful friends, and we continued to love the Cambodian people. In summary, our initial long-term mission trip did not turn out the way we expected. It took Sharon over a year or longer to get over some of these toxic experiences and things that were, were not good, to get her head around it all and to finally leave it completely in God's hands. And that takes some time. You don't just shed things. 
God gives you a new purpose, but you still struggle. Sharon and I returned, when we were returned, returned to the same place that we'd left 20 years earlier. We returned to the same street that we left 20 years earlier. And we, we returned to family. And it was so good coming home to family. But we weren't the same people at all. We were not anywhere close to the same people that had left 20 years prior. God had taught us so many different things in that period of time. And we continue to grow. As God stretches us in life circumstances. We've learned that we need to obey. If God calls us, we'll obey. It's spiritual integrity. You do what you say you're going to do. And if God calls you to do something, you do what God calls you to do. That is spiritual integrity. And that's what he impressed upon us. We don't always get it right. Sometimes we get most of it wrong. But God is faithful. God's involved in the caring and the and the loving of the present. Besides being involved in our church here, we're involved in youth ministry of Youth Unlimited. And it's interesting that we came home from missions work only to do mission work at home. You don't have to travel 8,000 miles to do mission work. There's plenty of people, there's plenty of youth, there's plenty of, of, of need right here, outside the door. So with that, that's our testimony. I'd like to conclude with my favorite hymn. Let me go get the Royals and the McNulty's to come back up. Amazing Grace. It's my story. It's my life story. Amazing Grace. I told Sharon at our, my funeral. I want to make my funeral. Not planning anything. I want to sing Amazing Grace. So, you may hear that in the future sometime. Who knows? We'll sing one more song, Amazing Grace, and we'll close in prayer.
salvation, of forgiveness of sins, of freedom of bondage, of hope, of love, of being with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We thank you that you love us so much that you are willing to give yourself on our behalf, that you required us only that we believe that we trust, that we look to you, not only as our Savior, but our Lord as well. When we've been there 10,000 years, well, we thank you, Lord Jesus Christ, for what you've done for us, and we commit ourselves to you as we leave this place today May we walk in, in newness of life and may we exercise our spiritual integrity. That the things you call us to do, we submit before you and we simply say we will. Thank you. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening. Come back next week for the next Sunday morning message from Bible Fellowship Assembly. Visit us on the web at bfa.church, where you will find our physical address and contact information. We'd love to see you if you're in the Timmins area, or drop us a line at info at bfa.church. Until next time.